0: episode 38 of FOTIME podcast all about listening coming up
1: amateur radio 15.com presents FOTIME the other ham radio podcast sponsored by main trading company find them online at mtcradio.com now here's your host Kale Nelson K4CDN
0: Welcome in to episode number 38. I'm Kel, your host, Kilo4 Charlie Delta November, and we sincerely, again, appreciate you joining us. It's going to be a pretty cool episode this time. We'll have Jeremy coming up in a few minutes. We're going to talk about listening on ham radio, but I've got some shout outs to do right off the bat. And uh, these are just some Twitter, some um, mainly some email contacts that I've had. We'll cover some that Jeremy's had in a couple of seconds. But uh, anyway, Steve bought him a. Um, Bought them the t-shirt, the new Faux Time t-shirt. They're available on our site, along with being an MTC shopper and a winner at their Ham Radio Day. So congratulations, Steve, Kilo Golf 5, Hotel Quebec Tango. We've got Alvin, been uh, been helping me out with a couple of things. Kilo 2, Alpha Mary Papa. Jim, uh, Whiskey Golf 9, Juliet from the 220MHzGuys.org. Tim and Ron from Bridgeworks. Chris, Kilo Uniform 7, Papa Delta X-Ray. He introduced us to a new uh, new item called Clean Feed. We're going to may, maybe try to use to record some of our future shows. So thank you there, Chris. James Kilo Whiskey 4 TRK. Don Kilo Golf 5 India Whiskey Lima. He left us a speak pipe message a few weeks back, and I've just failed to mention that. So thank you there, Don. Curtis from EverythingHamRadio.com. Kilo 5 Charlie Lima Mike and John McGrath um he's uh, one of our new friends on Google Plus uh, oh and not forget Eric our friend in Canada uh, echo uh, Victor Echo 3 Echo Alpha Lima just a few of the contacts that we've made uh with you guys our listeners and we sincerely appreciate not only you listening but participating with us and letting us know um about uh, about what's going on with you about what's going on in the hobby it's always great to hear from you guys i know that may sound a little silly um, but, but it's really, really cool. So, uh, we're going to talk to Jeremy and we're going to talk about listening and you may wonder, what are we going to talk about listening? And, uh, well, well, we'll, we'll, talk about that in a couple of minutes, but I got to tell you something first of, of course, our show is always sponsored by Maine trading company and they've got a deal going right now that we cannot advertise on the internet. Okay. We can't list these prices out there because it will, it'll break the rules of, minimum advertised pricing. But Richard has some of the ICOM India Delta 51 Alphas, the ID51 handy talkie D-Star rig that, that Ed was so crazy about in the last show that we had him on. Uh, I think it must have been number 37. Yeah, was it 37? Yeah, it had to be. Anyway, it's the ID51Alpha uh, it's a great handy talkie. People are just going crazy about them now. You can get them in all different colors. And Main Trading Company has a slew of them, and they want to sell them to you. Special call-in price only. You have to call them to get this price. It's about, I don't know, $12 or $13 more than this on their site right now. But if you're interested in an ICOM ID 51A Anniversary Edition handy talkie, call Richard right now. $347.95, $347.95, that's a great deal, great deal, back in a sec. So just a few episodes ago, George and Jeremy were on, I was av- I was unavailable out of town, and they did the D-Star show, you guys just absolutely must have loved it, because we got all kind of correspondence from you, a lot more than we normally do. Which is really cool. And Jeremy asked you, if you had some questions, you any comments, you want to send him an email, put Pumpkin in the subject line. So he, he wanted me to bring this out and say thank you. Uh, I'm sure he will here in just a sec. But uh, we've got uh, Kilo Echo 4, Mike Foxtrot Hotel. We've got Kilo Charlie 1, Echo Mary Yankee. We've got Dusty. We've got uh, Kilo Charlie 9, Zulu Mike Yankee Donald. Uh, kilo five uh, excuse me kilo foxtrot five echo alpha x-ray daniel uh daniel lot sorry uh kilo fox seven uniform romeo yankee dale barry henderson bob who is kilo alpha nine mary delta papa michael who is k6 ftz Ed, who is W4ED, hey, we know Ed, W4ED, how did you get on the list, Ed? Anyway, keep going here, uh, Chuck Lenard, uh Kilo Delta two Echo India Bravo, Chuck's uh, really um, active on our Friends of uh, Fotime Facebook group page, David, who is Whiskey Zero Delta Hotel Golf, and Jonathan, who is Whiskey 7, Juliet, Kilo, Charlie, uh, John Jacobs as well. So, guys, thank you all for, for letting Jeremy and George know that you appreciated them coming on the show and, and hanging out with you here while I was unavailable. It was a great show. It was a very popular show. And if you know anyone who has any questions regarding D-Star, make sure you get them to check out the show. This portion of the Photom podcast is brought to you by Kenwood USA. Yeah, Kenwood right now has all kind of crazy coupons available at mtcradio.com. So if you need anything from a handy talkie all the way to a flagship HF rig, make sure you check out our friends, mtcradio.com, and get your new Kenwood rig today. And welcome in, Jeremy, man. Great to have you back on the
2: show. Good to be back as always.
0: Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's really been a while since you and I were just here by ourselves, and... uh i think it was like we started this with number two but number three or something and and here we are number 38
2: yeah it's uh it's been a ride so i i have a surprise for you okay so i have my normal drink that i always have while we're doing the show but it's not crystal light what is it it is apple cider ah are you waiting for your apple butter to get there Uh, Is that coming? Is that something I have to look forward to?
0: (laughs) When I can figure out how to package a jar, I've got to determine how to best most securely package a jar. And then I've got to send some to Ohio and some to Louisiana and other points here and there.
2: Oh man, I I can't wait. I am a I am a sucker for good apple butter.
0: It's really good. We had a great time. Um, it was it was a really hard couple of weeks to keep all of that stuff going, but we had uh, 171 or 78 jars we canned here.
2: That's a lot of apple butter.
0: It was, and uh, and most of it's already gone. So, uh, so, but don't fret. I'll get you some. And, and well, what? Are preach- we, yeah, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, we make homemade apple butter here on the farm every year. Usually the first or second weekend of October. The rain really screwed us up with the hurricane that never came inland, but uh, it totally crushed our, fe- our people down in uh, Columbia. So anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Though. We actually have a topic for episode number 38. Jeremy, what is it going to be?
2: Well, so interestingly enough, I can segue from the apple butter into our topic because I hinted at you a lot that I would really love to have some of that apple butter, and yeah. you listened, and today's show... Is all going to be all about listening, We talk so much about talking, but we haven't really spent much time on just the listening aspect of the amateur radio hobby. you know that's really the people that know me may may
0: believe this, but people on the list you know the average listener, not that we have average listeners, but the guys who come in every couple of weeks and listen to us, they might not really believe as much as I like to talk that I really like to listen. And sometimes I even prefer listening to communicating. And I'm really excited to, uh, I I think we can call this like an elementary show or a 10,000 view, 10,000 foot view, overview of listening or something, however we want to label it there. But uh, we're going to talk about listening and not just talking and not just, not just talking, but, uh, you know, transmitting, but more on the end of listening and
2: there's a whole spectrum that we can enjoy. Is that correct? Oh, literally a spectrum. Good pun. Yeah, you know, um, I don't remember. In, in some uh, public speaking class I've had in the past, you know, communication is 80, 85, 95% of, um, is 95% listening. And the, actually the genesis for the show, you and I talked after you were on, what was it? The Was it the Prepper Recon podcast? Yep, yep. You were giving an overview um, and if I remember correctly, you had even made the point during that podcast that, you know, during emergency communications, listening is the most important part. And uh, that got us to thinking. We traded some text back and forth and started talking about that, you know, there's a, there are people that are in the radio hobby that all they do is listening. Uh, they, they just, you know, they're shortwave DXers or people who only listen to scanners um, people that just listen to um, you know air traffic and, and airband radio but I mean there are a lot of folks in the radio hobby that listening is what the hobby is to them
0: yeah you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to talk there's a lot of people that don't want to communicate uh, sometimes I get so much talking to me in the day that I don't want to just I don't want to talk back I just want to sometimes just veg and listen and uh, we'll talk about public safety frequencies later but uh, I do that all day every day. But uh, wh- where do you want to start with this, Jeremy? Where, wh- do you want to start at the bottom?
2: Well, I, I think it's, um, it's important because, honestly, uh, I have a couple of ham friends who recently introduced me to a topic of um, you know something called ELF or VLF, which are very low frequency and extremely low frequency. And what that made me realize is we, we always talk about VHF, HF, UHF, but these, these le- three-letter acronyms or two-letter acronyms actually have meanings... Um, well outside of the amateur radio hobby in fact um different portions of band of, of the spectrum are classified by uh starting at elf and going all the way up to um thf and that covers literally everything from three hertz all the way up to three thousand gigahertz or three terahertz and uh I don't know. I think we could take a quick tour down each one of the little sections, probably at the bottom, um, you know, starting with the LF and working our way up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, don't they call them like low effers or something like that? That I don't know. Low effers, met, met, um let's see, low effers, <laughs> that doesn't sound necessarily politically correct, which you'll find a lot of, not necessarily politically correct here on the show, uh, low effers, mid effers, and high effers. Uh, and you can find that at LWCA.org. And that is the, uh, that's the site that I've really been interested in. It's a long wave homepage. Uh, sorry, I did to, to to drag you away there, but, um, I had seen or heard that somewhere and that's where it was at the LWCA. And these are the folks who listen to what we're getting ready to talk about. So let me shut up and listen to Jeremy. Tell us about <laughs> those things.
2: Well, and I, I want to start off and say I'm I'm by no means an expert on this. This is actually something that uh, I was just introduced to uh, earlier this year as a concept because uh, a friend of mine was using a computer sound card and nothing but a computer sound card to listen to um, ELF, SLF, ULF, and VLF frequencies. And so, first of all, um, I, I kind of, I think, want to group all the low-frequency stuff uh, together. And uh, so we have extremely low frequency, which is uh, 3 hertz to 30 hertz. That's hertz. No kilo, no mega, just hertz. (laughs) Uh, Super low frequency, which is 30 to 300 hertz. Ultra low frequency, which is 300 to 3,000 hertz. Uh, Very low frequency, which is 3 kilohertz to 30 kilohertz. Uh, And then low frequency, which is 30 kilohertz to 300 kilohertz. Um, Down this low. You are primarily going to find very narrow bandwidth signals. Um, Down here you have a lot of things that are communications to things that are underwater or underground, like submarines or with uh, mines. Um, Because if you imagine, you know, we all know that wavelength is, um, oh, I'm brain farting. Wavelength is frequency divided by 300 uh, in meters. Is that right? I believe so, yes. I'm right. the last
0: person to ask a math question, but I will agree with you because you're smarter than me.
2: Well, it's not true. But- George is yeah, I mean, screaming
0: when- at the at the radio right now.
2: <laughs> but, I mean, in low frequency, your best case scenario for an antenna for a wavelength is one kilometer. So you get into these extremely low frequencies and you're at 100,000 kilometers. Um, so some of these antennas or these wavelengths are literally like circumference of the Earth type things. And so they're... Um, generally used for reception only you 'll have ground based stations that do the transmitting uh, and of course they have m- just ridiculously large uh, antenna sites miles
0: of antennas
2: miles or kilometers yes. of antennas um, but yeah i mean uh, you know from from the research it 's everything from communications to submarines one way mm-hmm. um, but there 's also um time signal stuff down there stuff. If you're familiar with WWV um, there's, there's time signal stuff down uh, for instance, the United States uh, transmits time signals at 60, oh, 60 kilohertz. Um, but I mean, effectively this is, there's also, um and I'm astro, what's the word I'm looking for? Space stuff to mm. be listened to down there and atmospheric noises uh, to be listened down there. And I, I shared with you a link Um to you a youtube video where a gentleman actually demonstrates how to use your sound card and nothing more than your sound card and free software uh to turn your sound card into a low frequency receiver
0: and we're going to post that right at the top of the uh the show notes on episode number 38
2: so i mean a lot of the stuff down there it's just uh you know it's it's kind of cool. Another piece at the very top of the low frequency side of things is that in Europe and in parts of Asia, um, AM broadcasting was on the long wave bands. Uh, and in fact, actually, the l- low frequency, um, you know, below three hundred kilohertz, is where our amateur radio privileges start. I don't remember the actual frequency allocation, but we do have stuff that low.
0: But you have to have just gobs of wire or a big loading coil
2: to do or anything. loops or loops yeah um, there's there are antennas there are antenna designs that you know of course are incredibly inefficient and hugely compromised but more to the point these allocations really below 160 meters and we have several of them mm-hmm. um, are really there for the experimenters because ICOM, Yesu, and Kenwood are not putting uh, 320 meters in our radios.
0: Yeah, and you know, a lot of this stuff too uh, that doesn't fall under the allocations for amateur radio operators can fall under the Part 15 for the experimenters as well. And uh, there's a guy local here that I just found through looking on the internet that he uses uh, Part 15 privileges to listen to vlf elf and whatnot but his, his you call know, just left me
2: one of the things that i i think is is the coolest about this though is that um i don't know about you but the first time that i heard hf i'm thinking stuff in the gigahertz and when i look at these allocations and you find out that hf is 3 to 30 megahertz um these, these designations really just speak to the history of you know radio communications. Um, I was reading an article, or uh, in preparation for the show, I was reading an article on, um, on Wikipedia earlier talking about the early days of radio where people basically thought that because of the complexities to use it, they used to think anything over 2 megahertz was useless for long-distance communications.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, Where would we be if the Earth was still flat, right? <laughs> you know, something that, that, that people don't know Maybe, and, and maybe this is the place to put this But uh, a lot of folks Listen for, you know You talked about the atmospheric and weather And, and earth, but a lot of people Who are into the uh, What's the correct term here to use uh, where, where they are ghost hunters or, or whatnot, they also Utilize ELF, VLF and, and try to determine Where those types of things Are within the radio spectrum I didn't realize that, but I thought that was kind of odd.
2: I had never heard that either.
0: That was, that was new for me. But <laughs> according to the source that I found, um, they try to determine or, or make their case for, not extraterrestrials, but I guess uh, spirit beings or whatnot, uh, and make their case by recording sounds that are f- apparently from the afterlife or the afterworld and those are frequencies that are well under what we're normally used to hearing with our ears but uh but they do that as well. I I that just uh, kind of really fr- I, I read that on Halloween really freaked me out.
2: Well, I just want to go on record for you and everybody else listening that when I die I want to spend most of my time on 20 and 40 meters. Yeah, I like
0: 40 pretty good. 20 is my <laughs> favorite though but I'll uh, I won't be downloading much from up there. So anyway, I I had to just throw that in since we were just coming off of Halloween and I read that on Halloween and it kind of was like, whoa, that was kind of a weird day to read that, but yeah. <laughs> Not that Kel believes in ghosts and all that, but it was apparently that's part of the research process is is actually uh, radio waves.
2: Yeah, and actually um the uh they also do the the you know sound waves, like you said. I mean, there's uh, a lot of YouTube videos you can watch, um, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I've seen some of these, where basically they they just try to listen for stuff in the noise floor by leaving these recorders running, and then they play it back, and then like slow it down or speed it up, and um, but I we're getting off topic, <laughs> um, so kind of setting the low frequency stuff aside, because again, um. There just isn't a lot of bandwidth below three hundred kilohertz. I mean, three hundred kilohertz is only ten times more than your standard sideband, you know, transmission is making for voice. So Mm. it's uh, again, it's it's interesting to see what's down there, Um, and of course, listening to atmospherics and whatnot is really cool. But where the action really kind of starts is in uh, what is known as medium wave, which is three hundred kilohertz to three megahertz and of course in america that covers our am broadcast band and that also gets into the 160 uh, meter band for amateur radio
0: which is a great place to start if you're looking for some uh, rarer dx if you can get the antenna in the air which is
2: or along the ground with a a large beverage antenna but yeah Uh,
0: you went to the beverage i wasn't going to bring that up yet but yeah A beverage listening antenna. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, right? We're going to talk about that?
2: I'm sure, although I'll defer to you because, again, that's one of the things I learned for the test. And uh, given that the only beverage I know of right now is my apple cider. (laughs) I believe in crystal light because it believes in me. Was that actually a slogan for them? You don't remember that? No, not at all. Remember, you're like 40 years older than me. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be 42
0: the day they release episode uh, 7, but we'll talk about that later.
2: Oh. Um, Yeah, I mean, so medium wave is, uh, though, again, in the United States, it's where we have our AM broadcasting bands. It's where amateur stuff happens. Um, And actually, starting here up until we get to VHF, one of the other things that I think is really cool um, about medium frequency and high frequency uh, stuff is... Is there are a lot of things in that spectrum that are leftovers from bygone eras, you know, things going back to World War II, things going back to the Cold War, and it's interesting how some of the things that are down there and the allocations that are down there really are leftovers of these bygone eras. Um, so leftover
0: yeah. leftovers from bygone eras. I mean, we're talking about civil defense stuff. We're talking about World War II when what what the uh, the Navajo. Uh, code talkers, I mean, what do you talk about stuff left over
2: well, so um, without not necessarily getting necessarily get into specifics, but in the, in the the high frequency area, you find things like over the horizon radar, which was um, invented as an early detection method for you know nuclear war and also understanding you know what the Russians were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, actually, you know another byproduct of the this era was the Russian woodpecker, which of course we're not there in the spectrum yet. Um, but it was something that really ruined a lot of amateurs' ability to use the the hf bands if and this is where I show my ignorance because I wasn't around then um, or I wasn't an amateur then, but I don't remember if it was the late seventies or eighties. Um, but still, I mean, it was literally Russian radar that was keeping some guy from rag chewing on forty meters. And sometimes it still comes on, they say. I've never
0: heard it myself, but I've heard the the clips of it on YouTube. sounds pretty annoying.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, I mean, most people don't realize that the biggest threat to Russian national security is the American amateur radio operator.
0: Yeah, you know us. (laughs) They heard me one time, and they was like, we can cut that thing off. That dude's not going to do anything (laughs) to affect us effectively.
2: But I mean, so in HF, we're, we're talking this is, of course, where most of you know our listeners start understanding and have a pretty good grasp on the band. So yeah. um, you're talking three megahertz to 30 megahertz, mm-hmm. so 100 meters to 10 meters. Right. Um, in this area of spectrum, of course, folks are very familiar with the amateur bands of uh, you know, starting at 80 and going all the way up to uh, 10 meters mm-hmm. would be covered in here. Um, but there's, there's a lot of other really interesting uh, traffic that goes on here. And, you know, we're, we're talking about many different modes. I mean, of course, we're all familiar with CW and sideband. Um, but there are other people who are out there using those things. There are military broadcasts. Um, there are airband broadcasts. And you'll find both of those things in CW and in sideband. And, of course, uh, everybody uses upper sideband when using sideband except amateurs for some reason we use lower sideband below you know 20 meters Mm -hmm. Um, but the rest of the world uses upper sideband um you will find of course am and and uh, sideband radio broadcasts and this is stuff like voice of america or um i can't remember any of the others but i mean like you still have a lot of countries running these shortwave uh, broadcasting stations and these are very important again. Going back to kind of the historical facts, um, or the historical significance of these these bands, because um, as far back as World War II, it was these uh, medium wave and high fre- or high frequency transmissions that countries would use to try to get their their uh, their voice or their propaganda. side of the story. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to say that, but hey, I'll call it. Um, i call a spade a spade. It's propaganda. Still is. It is, but um, this was a mechanism that they had that, you know, the, the enemy could not necessarily stop without impacting their own ability to communicate. And, you um, know, it was very voice of America in general. Like, I mean, it, it, it played a very big part in wartime efforts. Uh, the history of VOA is uh, is actually quite interesting in and of itself. And unfortunately, you know, VOA is still on, on the air not as significant as it once was, but I do want to give a shout out to a, a good uh, amateur friend of mine back in D.C. Um, Kim, KD9XB, is a program director for VOA, and for those of you who are shortwave listeners, um, he runs the VOA radio datagram, which is where he does PSK31 uh, messages on VOA, and he'll you know have people do co- you know download and decode them, uh, and then. Right in to verify that they got the message correct, but I think it's cool he's doing PSK31 on uh, public slash commercial um, shortwave uh, stations.
0: Well, I remember when they started that, Jeremy. And that was really cool to know that, uh, and they were experimenting with their different different types of uh, modes. I remember they would run contesta one time, and then they would try it again with Olivia, and they were the same frequency but running different modes. And you know, if you had Uh, either a shortwave radio or just a an amateur receiver transmitter what transceiver uh, you could listen and decode with your fl digi which you still could now but uh they would i'm not sure if they still do because i need to check the twitter i don't think i'm anyway uh they would tweet hey we're getting ready to run this this voa radiogram make sure you're tuned to this frequency and and try this mode with us so it was really cool to see them kind of uh, go from the we're just going to play music and talk about politics or talk about the country, the news and whatnot. To the point now, we're going to try to see if we can make some other ways to communicate with the folks who may be listening. In um, but maybe not necessarily with just voice. Really, really cool deal.
2: And, yeah, thanks to them for trying it. And that was all. Uh, that was all. Kim, KD9XB. He, um, you know, he completely ran that program. And what was cool about it also. Is it was a really good way for them to get propagation reports because obviously you know people from all over the world wrote in to tell them this. But you you still have a ton of these shortwave um, broadcasting stations online, and these days, again, they're they're disappearing and dying out. Um, most of the commercial ones that are operating now are generally uh, you know some type of a Christian-backed radio and whatnot, and. They are still out there because they're getting their message into countries that don't have infrastructure or, um, you know, countries where those types of messages are illegal or uh, are against the the government. And that's I I know I'm not doing a very good job of this, but that's one of the areas where the history of our hobby is just really cool that it was this um, very important tool for uh, winning hearts and minds. Uh, during various conflicts and, and points in our history. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: uh, you can tune in almost any night on the East Coast and listen to Radio Havana.
2: Yep, that's and, another great example. I mean, it
0: sounds like, you know, Artie's up here in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and they play some great music. And, you know, he does uh, birthday shout outs, so you don't call him that. But, you know, you can send in your cards and he'll read your reports. I've never done it, but I've enjoyed listening. Because sometimes I just want to sit there and listen. Yep. And you can find that signal anytime, here on the East Coast at least.
2: And that's another, um, just like everything with HF, right? I mean, you're really getting into propagation and atmospherics, and uh, a lot of that's really going to control what you receive. Now, some other stuff that's down there... um, of course, uh, CB radio is between like twenty six and twenty seven megahertz. Mm-hmm. For those of you who want to listen to our good buddies, uh, who couldn't afford fifteen dollars or the time to take a test, breaker breaker, uh, breaker breaker, ten four, good buddy. Um, although I, I again. If I remember correctly, both you and I share in our histories that it was CB that actually ultimately fostered our interest in amateur radio, so I guess I shouldn't knock it too much. Well,
0: my Galaxy 959DX is on the shelf, and it's, a, it's <laughs> I love it, man. It's a great radio. I mean, it, hey, I can't knock what got me here. You know, that was the first thing, and, and until it just got crazy, it was a great hobby for a young man who was trying to just hang out with his buddies in town. And and, and uh, driving around trying to pick up girls. I mean, that's what we did. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's if it if it hadn't been for CB radio, I wouldn't be sitting here doing episode number thirty-eight of the FOTIME Time podcast. So say what 30. you want to. I know it's it's bad at times, but it has its place. And and I'm not going to be the guy to knock it. I'd rather talk about beating up on Chinese handy talkies than I would CB. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, some other interesting stuff between thirty and I'm sorry, three and thirty megahertz. Is um, the transoceanic uh, air traffic control traffic. So, um, and man, see, the, the, it's been a little while since I've listened to this, but somewhere I think in the eight megahertz range, I remember I always found it fascinating where you would hear uh, basically transoceanic flights entering, um, you know, getting close to American airspace and um, them having to call in over sideband. And mm-hmm trade some information, they get a weather report, they get, uh, you know, all of their vectors and everything, and it's just kind of cool to see that, you know, the rest of the world is just alive and constantly moving. Yeah. Um, and then probably beyond amateur radio, one of the other really popular things in this uh, 3 to 30 megahertz HF spectrum, <clears throat> excuse me, is number stations.
0: Uh, those are fun. Those creep me the heck out you can really freak some people out with number stations man years ago my brother um was asking me about shortwave and all this and that you know he just he didn't really understand didn't know what it was and um he was kind of trying to figure out some some stuff his tinfoil was getting a little tight and i came across a number station in the middle of the day total middle of the day just spinning the vfo on my shortwave radio this is before i was licensed and uh, I called his cell phone. He didn't answer it. So I just hold the the phone up to the speaker of the shortwave radio. You know, and there's this oh no, there's this woman's voice, and you know, <laughs> she's like Alpha Charlie Four. You know, Hotel Seven Six Three Nine. Four, all this garbage, you know. And I just let it go as long as this thing would record. About fifteen minutes later, he
2: called me, and his hair was on fire. It was a oh, trip. I bet. yeah,
0: it was a trip. I bet
2: yeah. For those who. Uh who don't know the theory. Well, sorry, what a number station is, is it is a transmission that generally consists of one incredibly creepy element, be it (laughs) playing detuned children's songs or a buzzer that just continuously sounds like a torture device or um, some type of robotic like preamble followed by the reading of numbers and letters. Um, The theory is that these transmissions are used by various and sundry government entities to communicate with uh, clandestine operatives in, their, uh, in various countries around the world. Um, in fact, if you watch the television show on FX, The Americans, um, they constantly use these numbers broadcast uh, to send messages back and forth between them and Russia. Um, th- this is something that <clears throat> there is a ton of footage on YouTube to research this because unfortunately these days – there really aren't that many uh number stations still on the air. I wonder if that's going to change. Well,
0: the reason I, the, the reason ar- I asked that is because of all the the espionage and intrigue that we see between four or five major players on the world stage right now. And I'm just left to wonder if if this may not make a comeback. I mean because the internet we found is it's secure at once at one point, but at the same time, it's as insecure as a you know a sixteen year old dude with a pocket protector, you know. So I mean, is there room on the world stage again for number stations?
2: Well, I think honestly, because the same the same string of numbers that somebody can read over the air, right? I can post on a public forum somewhere, right. and the message just be just as as convoluted. But, but um. You know, there the, the I, if I remember correctly, the one or two stations that are still um, active, the the accent of the uh, folks reading the numbers are um, Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. Because, like I said, they're just not as prevalent as they once were. One of the things, if you're really interested in number stations, um, actually, I'm going to Google this to make sure I get the spelling right. But there was a project uh, or a set of CDs um a long time ago called the connet project and connet is charlie oscar november echo tango um in fact actually kayla make sure you have this link um to uh, to post in the show notes but they they had all these recordings of uh, number stations that you can uh, purchase CDs from them in fact uh these recordings or at least a very small portion of them became very po- popularized because uh the band Wilco released an album called Yankee Hotel Foxtrot which uh, included several of the British number stations uh, recordings you know in the songs sweet I about to order yeah. this? Oh, the co- the Connet project in fact um you, you know, know i can't remember you know you're a nerd if
0: you get excited about stuff like that
2: yeah, but the thing that I can't remember is if you can actually download them for free now. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, – I'll make sure you have this link to put in the show notes because it's yeah. it's cool. But like I said, this is the type of stuff that me personally um, – if I have the lights out when I listen to it, it literally makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know,
0: but <laughs> – I mean, seriously, we're talking to ourselves with this program. I mean, how many people would really get excited about something like this unless you're oh, um, just, yeah, I know it's yeah. just us. And you guys listening, so we, we're all in the, you know, we're singing Kumbaya around the fire right now. This is, this is it for us. This is cool.
2: The other thing that you'll find here is there, of course, is a lot of military comms traffic, both in the clear um, and also digital And some of the digital is in the clear. Some of the digital is in modes that are just very difficult for us to get equipment to decode. Um, You know, you'll find uh, Milcom stuff um, like uses Pactor. And then you'll find a lot of encrypted digital transmissions as well. Um, Sometimes, though, you'll find like flight orders um, for, uh, you know, our, our long range bombers and stuff. Some of that stuff is in the clear, just analog radio. Uh, and there's a lot of material on the Internet you can search for if you're interested in those frequencies. Um, you know, there are some people that have I've heard say before that, oh, when you hear traffic on these frequencies, it means that, you know, the world is heating up a little bit.
0: Alas, Babylon.
2: <sighs> yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we should hit on is uh, kind of talked about what there is to listen to, but it didn't really cover how to listen to it.
0: Yeah, that was getting. I, I was getting ready to try to bring that point out if I could stop talking about something else. But you're correct because, I mean, we're talking about all these cool things that you want to go listen to. We're encouraging you. We're, we're, we're Pavlov dogging you here, but you're going to, have to wait till after the break because we'll be right back. Kale and Jeremy on the Fo Time Podcast. This is episode number thirty eight. Back in a few.
1: Hi everybody, it's Christine at Maine Trading Company in Paris, Texas. We just want to take a moment to say thanks to all of you guys for your support throughout the years. Six years in business now. After four different locations, the addition of our very own post office, Ham Radio and local honey just seem to go together. Maine Trading Company, celebrating six years in the Ham Radio business. Thanks for all your support.
0: Okay, back after the break, it's Kel, K4CDN, my buddy Jeremy, KF7IJZ. We've been talking about listening to all the cool things out there in the radio spectrum, up into and including HF, up to 10 meters. Uh, we've just been talking about listening. We haven't talked about how we can listen, on, on what we can listen. Jeremy, what are some of the things that we may need to put in our shack or our listening post to be able to listen to some of this stuff?
2: Well, if you have, uh, you know, at its simplest, if you have an HF radio already, um, almost every modern HF radio has a wide open receiver that's pretty much DC to daylight. So um, for a lot of this, for shortwave analog broadcasts or um, the air traffic or some of the MILCOM stuff or the number stations, Uh, You know, hop online, Google what you're interested in listening to, and you're going to be able to use that HF station uh, to listen to a lot of this already. But um, a lot of people who spend time with this as a hobby generally don't invest in amateur gear unless they're really serious. And there are just a plethora of um, shortwave radio receiver manufacturers. Again, all of this is going to be analog. Um, One of the things we didn't talk about is there is a digital standard for shortwave broadcast called Digital Radio Mundial, which is uh, digital radio for the world. And that is something that there aren't a ton of receivers out there uh, that I've seen, but it's also not widely used uh, as far as I can see. Um, so mostly when we're talking about these radios, we're, we're talking about analog. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you have to consider, first of all, when looking at this and of course much like amateur radio do you want something that's portable uh or do you want something that's kind of a larger you're going to set it on a tabletop at home
0: well i have from the old days a dx392 from radio shack that i love it's got a cassette tape recorder built into it and it's oh, port- cool. yeah it's portable with a uh, with a handle but i normally just use it uh, it's got a like a, an easel on the back well, they call that a kickstand nowadays. It's got like a kickstand on the back, and uh, man, that thing has been with me for years. And it it really just kept the fire kindled uh, for amateur radio for me as I was just continuing to put it off.
2: Well, to that point, um, you know, given that Radio Shack is no really not really long or with us anymore, yeah. some of the. Bigger, more established names in the shortwave radio game are – there's a company called Grundig, Mm -hmm. G-R-U-N-D-I-G. Sangian, which uh, I actually own a Sangian AM-FM weather radio, the the CL100, which I think is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, And then Sony – probably i think still makes a couple receivers um and you're going to find these everything these days almost all of these receivers are portable uh on the grundig side you can still get their big huge tabletop model um one of the things you look at though when you're looking at these and of course they're they're starting to add features like a lot of these chinese import radios which i'll talk about here in a 2nd we'll have built-in uh mp3 players and recorders which is actually kind of handy uh when you consider the device but um A couple of things you're going to look at, of course, is first of all, finding a radio that covers the frequencies that you're interested in hearing. Um, But another thing is that most of these radios are AM only, and that's something that uh, is obviously a lot different from an amateur set. Uh, The majority of these radios are AM only because the majority of shortwave broadcasts are AM. Now, for the folks who want to use this type of radio um, for listening to AM but also listening to some amateur stuff, there are many of them that have sideband built in. Uh, A couple ones of particular note that I'll call out on the Sanjian side, um, they have one that I think is the Sanjian 909, um, which has sideband built into it. Um, But for something considerably cheaper, uh, the Chinese radios, there is a company called TechSun, T-E-C-S-U-N, and they make a radio called the PL-880, which is their latest and greatest top-of-the-line radio. And for about 160 bucks, you get a radio that covers uh, the long-wave, medium-wave, and short-wave. You get sideband, and you also get AM-FM radio. Uh, another radio they make is the PL-660, which is the predecessor, which also gives you the, um, a, the AM airbands as well. Uh, but these radios are actually, kale; they're pretty small. Um, probably about uh i don't know five by seven five by eight maybe yeah they're, they're not large and i mean you think about what it can do and you think it's the
0: size of a boom box but it's it's not i mean it and really they have a remarkable sound quality from the desk set speaker there as well i mean it'll really surprise you these radios and and to your point on uh single sideband i've gotten to the point now when people say i want to buy a shortwave radio what do i buy I don't even tell them about anything unless it's SSB equipped. Just because, you know, why not? It's only going to cost you another twenty, fifteen, maybe forty bucks, depending on what you're buying. But just go ahead and buy it so you can listen to us when we're on the air. That's my argument.
2: Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you, I mean, you're you're basically doubling what you can listen to by right. making sure you get that. Yeah. Now, another. Um, Another kind of class of devices out there are they, – some companies make these incredibly wideband re- receiving or, – or, sorry, receivers. Um, some companies you're familiar with like Icom. Icom makes several receive-only radios. Uh, in fact, their R7000 is one of the most popular and famous analog receiver radios in the world. Um, but these radios are generally from DC, and when I say DC, in other words, very low, you know, probably 100 kilohertz, all the way up to 1.3 gigahertz, with the exception of um, the, the, the old analog cell phone portions of the band and the 800 megahertz, which are still blocked for some reason. Yeah. We'll talk Somebody, about that. Somebody's the, using them. <laughs> it's not oh, me. Yeah. It's the public safety is using them. Yeah, um, yeah. i'll I'll come back to that. Um But anyway, I mean, they make these radios, and what's cool about them is that they have, uh, again, continuous um, tuning. They will generally have better filtering in in them than these $100, $150 shortwave sets. Um, So you can adjust the bandwidth. And then they will do, you know, FM, narrow FM, wide FM, AM, wide AM, uh, sideband, or upper sideband, lower sideband, CW. I mean, they have all these different modes in them. And actually, Um, There's a radio that I became aware of at Dayton this year that I think is the bee's knees. So one of the uh, predominant manufacturers of these wideband radios is a company called AOR, Alpha Oscar Romeo. And they make a radio for about $1,300 called the uh, DV-1 Bravo. And the thing that's cool about the DV-1 Bravo is it will actually decode – the majority of the digital radio signals out there. So it will decode D star. It will record system fusion. It decodes, um, NXDN. It decodes project 25 phase one. Now it does not do trunking at this time. So, um, that'll make more sense when we talk about public safety stuff here, but it is cool that you could have an analog scanning receiver that can do you know, D Star and Yaesu uh, Fusion.
0: You know, you think about thirteen hundred bucks for a radio that just listens, but that's a lot of stuff it can hear. I mean, in addition to what it, you would expect it to hear, having no, those absolutely. capabilities is amazing.
2: Another radio that I want to point out um, that is almost a DC to daylight. In fact, actually, for me, this is actually what kept me from buying one of these because I had an opportunity to get a good deal at Dayton a couple years ago. Uh, There's a company called Com Radio, uh, C-O-M-M Radio. They make one product called the CR1 Alpha. And the CR1 Alpha is actually a software-defined receiver in a tiny little aluminum enclosure that um, basically gets all of HF, um, picks up VHF again, starting at about 64 megahertz and goes to 250. And then it basically gets you all the way through um, about... It blocks out the TV stuff and then picks up, gets you to about five, you know, 512 megahertz. Uh, the cool thing about it is that it's a software-defined receiver, has a USB port for you to plug into a computer and use your favorite um, Power SDR or SDR Sharp or whatever IQ um, radio package you like. Uh, it also has built-in DSP bandwidth filtering. So it's a phenomenal listen to anything in hf radio because you have these completely customizable um, dsp bandwidth filters the thing that cripples it in my book even though it's a value at about five to six hundred dollars is the fact that you don't get six meters Mm. and it's just the architecture of the radio they they're all of their if or whatever is happening around there so you don't get it which is a shame uh, but otherwise, it is actually, it's actually it's a very compelling um, radio. And if I were somebody who was just interested in listening to um, HF stuff, so up to 30 megahertz, it's probably a radio that I would recommend just because the audio quality is so good. You get the ability to interact with software-defined radio stuff, uh, and it's got those filters. Plus, on battery, it runs forever.
0: It's a very small footprint. It's oh, a, it's, it's tiny. It's a beautiful it's, little radio. Anybody want to buy me one, send it. My, my address is good on QRZ.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's about the size of maybe two iPhones side by side, like stacked two <laughs> yeah. by two. It's tiny.
0: It's ridiculously small. All right, so we've 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 kind of talked about some of those, and a lot of those receivers we've talked about, Jeremy, can be <laughs> had at our friends at MTCRadio.com. They've got a lot of that stuff. Now they don't have the CR1A and the AOR stuff, but they do have some of the uh, the other tabletop type shortwave receivers. But we don't want to get um, we don't want to get too long on HF because there's still a lot of spectrum left to go that uh, people may want to listen to.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So moving on from HF, we go into VHF or very high frequency, and of course, uh, even the tech amateurs are very familiar with this allocation. So basically, um, you have thirty megahertz to three hundred megahertz. In here, of course, we have the FM broadcast band, which is um, eighty-seven to one hundred seven megahertz. Or sorry, eighty-seven to one hundred eight megahertz. Um, you have a lot of television broadcast bandwidth still in there um, in the two hundreds. Of course, we have the uh, two meter and one point two five meter bands for amateurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all. Of the AM airband stuff, which runs from about 109 to 130, you have some marine band chip to shore uh, stuff in there. And then you also have a lot of allocations um, for public safety. So you used to hear about things called public safety low bands, which were in the 30, 49, and 50 megahertz area. Um, oh, you also have the six meter band, excuse me, the 50 to 54 um, in there as well. But so, from a public safety perspective, this is where public safety starts. Um, back in the seventies, the Ca- California uh, chips, the California Highway Patrol uh, used VHF low band, um, and there are stories about people receiving, being able to like modify their CBs to receive that and whatnot. Uh, but today, I maybe I shouldn't comment on that. But I mean, I, I don't think that's in use nearly as much anymore. Uh, propagation on it's terrible it requires really big antennas um
0: i think you may find a lot of that on a state level as a fallback to a fallback to a fallback maybe but you're not going to see you know guys riding around with you know 10 foot whips on the back of the patrol cars anymore
2: yeah um you know where you do find stuff here though Uh, is going to be generally in the 150s. Um, you have a little allocation for business band and for MERS, which is the multi use radio service, which is a license free VHF radio, low power VHF radio service that folks can use. And it works great, Um, by the way. It does, it does. Um, I feel like, oh, you have the weather band, of course, in there around 162. Um, you know, for being able to listen to NOAA All Hazards Weather Radio, and that's actually something that's actually important at the NOAA All Hazards, um, because weather radio is more than weather radio. The uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but they can use that um, to actually like broadcast special messages from the uh, from the president. You know, for natural disaster, for national emergencies. Um, if they were to ever, this is and, um, this is not a tin foil hat comment, so much as just an extreme example. Um, should they ever declare martial law, they could do it that way. Um, and if you have a weather radio that responds to these uh, with the codes as far as helping display what the uh, disaster is, if you ever go and look at the same codes, you can go uh, same, uh, S-A-M-E, uh, you can actually go and see all the types of traffic and messages that those stations are are capable of communicating to the public.
0: Yeah, you know, and if, if you're listening to this program and you don't have a weather radio, we need to talk um they're very expensive it helps it may wake you up in the middle of the night it could save your life but uh like i have mine set up for the county with the same codes my county and particular types of warnings and whatnot uh so it's a it's a lifesaver it's a great idea right now it just depends on the mood of amazon but you may find them for eight or ten bucks i I, I buy when i find them cheap just because i like them but
2: anyway it's a really cool technology Let's uh, let's talk about that just real quick because I, I don't know that people realize how advanced that's gotten. Because we all know that the emergency broadcast system has moved on from a long tone to digital tones, right? Yep. yep. So, <clears throat> with these weather radios today, um, a modern one, you have the ability to tell these. Because I know a lot of people like I don't want a weather radio because they, it wakes me up for something that's happening twenty counties away. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you have the ability to go in and put in a six-digit code or codes so that it'll only go off when an alert for your county is issued. So that prevents a lot of false positives. Um, Another thing that's cool is that you can a lot of the higher-end ones you can customize to say, I don't want to be woken up for a flash flood watch because I live on a hill, and if it floods up here, it means Noah's back. Right. but you can also you know, connect these things to like flashing lights and whatnot. And one recommendation I will make, I mentioned it earlier, uh, the Sanjian CL100 gives you all of these county programming functions and the ability to customize what alerts you receive. And it's also just a heck of an AM-FM radio with really good audio quality. I have one in my bathroom upstairs. Um, it's really good. The other one that I recommend, which is available as a weather radio only or an AM-FM plus weather radio, is uh, there's a company called Recom, and I need to double-check this because I I had one of these. I gave it away as a gift. Um, They are still around, Recom, R-E-E-C-O-M Electronics. Um, Their weather radio is also amazing. Uh, Plus, both of them are capable to run off of AA. So that's that's kind of my public service on two amazing weather radios.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have them. I I buy them as gifts for people. because people, you know, people just harken back to the days of the weather cube, the realistic weather cube from Radio Shack. You walked up to it, you touched it, you know, just popped a button and it came on, and you could listen to the report. But now this, like like Jeremy's saying, it is so advanced. Uh, the it's a it's a tremendous early warning system. So you may have family who who isn't an amateur radio operator. They're not going to be listening to you know storm chasers or whatnot, and and not be ahead of the game in regarding severe weather. You could put one of these S A M E radios in their house, program it for them because you're smart enough, and they'll be thanking you for letting them have the extra four or five minutes advance notice. It works really, really well, and that's all i want to say about that.
2: No, it does, and uh, that's you. You actually exactly nailed what I did for my uh, my parents and my in laws. Is you know I set it up for them one time. Um, they change the backup batteries in them every time they change their smoke detectors, and life is good. Yep.
0: Now, Jeremy, we, you hit on just a little bit on the 150 band about uh, public safety. Now, where I live, uh, that's that's the fire dispatch. Of course, I spent almost a decade in firefighting. And I guess once you're there, you just never get rid of it. I listen to it constantly, uh, virtually 24 hours a day, although I turn it down at night so I don't have to hear it. But um, I really get a kick out of listening to that. Now, a lot of people where they live may not have access to that because, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a few minutes, uh, encrypted or digital type of trunking or whatnot. But if you are if you live out like me or in a smaller community, more than likely, you can listen to your most of your, at least some of your public service people out there working, the fire department, the EMS, maybe even your local police department. Um, and that's really easy to do, isn't it? I mean, you could do it with just a, if it's not encrypted, not digital, you could buy just a regular old scanner and you're good to go.
2: Oh, yeah. Or for that matter, um, you know, most of our VHF radios that are wideband will let you do that. In fact, yeah. um, to your point, where I live now, it's not in the, there, there's still some stuff in the 150s. Um But it's mostly around here. It's fire and EMS that is non-digital, that's still analog. When I lived in D.C., everything was 4-4, sorry, was UHF or above, and it was all Project 25 digital. With the exception of um, the Virginia State Police still had 150 megahertz analog in their cars for being able to do like talk around the state type um, stuff. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, everybody was digital.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it just really depends on where you're at in the world or uh, counties or what, however, you want to break it down. Uh, we'll have a link to Radio Reference that'll get you a at least pointed in the right direction where you can go to your state, go to your county, and determine what frequencies are used around you. If you're not aware of that, if you're just new coming into this or someone pointed you this way, of course, we appreciate that and want to try to help you get educated as best we can. And radioreference.com is really the best place to do that because they've got it already done for you.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which <clears throat> what, I, what I will say, Cale, is I think we would owe it to our listeners to do an entire show on modern scanning and modern oh. public safety stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, this is actually a really good segue out of VHF into UHF because these days uh, the majority of public safety stuff is happening in the UHF band, which is between 300 megahertz and 3,000 megahertz or 3 gigahertz. Yeah. Um, you know to kind of get some stuff other than public safety out of the way of course we have amateurs in there uh, at several different places in the 440s in the 900 megahertz range uh, the 23 centimeters which I think is 1.2 mm-hmm. um, I'm probably missing well we have a, an allocation the 2.4 band um, there a large portion of this spectrum is taken up by uh, television broadcast um, bandwidth Um, You have several different medical uh, device uh, allocations in here. Uh, Radio astronomy, some satellite communication stuff. Uh, Our cell phones, both analog and uh, the digital cell phones, happen in UHF. Wireless Wi-Fi, of course. We all have a 2.4 gigahertz router in our house. Bluetooth is also 2.4 gigahertz. Uh, Zigbee, which is kind of wireless serial, 2.4 gigahertz. And then GPS, which if I remember correctly is 1.5 or 1.6 gigahertz, um, you know, and then some other land mobile, uh, the Family Radio Service or ge- um, General Mobile Radio Service—is that right? GMRS? I forget what it stands for. General. Um, general. Can't,
0: can't, I just call it GM. I can't remember. If
2: only there was a device that allowed one to access the entirety of human knowledge. Yeah, in one their time. pocket. Yeah. Google says it's the general mobile radio service. So I was right. Okay. Um, which is a licensed service contrary to popular belief and, (laughs) and best buy blister pack radios. (laughs)
0: Ah, 35 miles.
2: Yeah. 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 If you have your own private lake and a mountain on one side.
0: Right. (laughs) Works every time.
2: Every single time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then of course, one of the more interesting things up there as we hinted at is public service stuff. Um, Public safety. Now, Mm -hmm. let's define public safety, Cale. All
0: right. Well, uh, fire, rescue, EMS, um, any of your law enforcement, and I mean any of your law enforcement from top to bottom, from your federal all the way down to your county sheriff, uh, maybe public uh, or private contractor type services Mm -hmm. are there as well. Um, And you're right. Most everything is going there. It seems, and I think the bands in in that facet are going to get really crowded. They're already crowded, but uh, the the ones with the biggest dollars are going to win, and I can see us as amateurs having a problem with the UHF spectrum uh, in the near future because it's just getting so crowded. (laughs)
2: Well, and what's interesting is uh, also uh, also on the public service bands. What I forget, you'll you'll have things like schools, public schools, bus motor pools. Um, You'll have uh, public works, so usually like sewer, water. Um, you may have depending on you know how your your uh, municipality is set up. I mean, um, just any general maintenance stuff. You could have literally like courthouse business type radios. you know, I around here, I, I hear all the time bailiffs calling to bring prisoners up to the courtroom, you know, stuff like that. Um, of course, the most interesting stuff to listen to generally is going to be your police, your fire, and your EMS. Um, so generally speaking in UHF, we find that stuff right above the amateur bands, which uh, Kale quick uh, trivia for you sure. who is actually the primary user of 420 to 450 megahertz amateurs no no we are a secondary allocation on 420 really? to 450
0: it's dod huh. oh well i was getting of, say the air force would have been my second yeah. guess.
2: yep the department of defense is the uh the primary user of what that this, band what we what do, we just kind of all the toys we uh we keep it warmed up for them yeah yeah um, but anyway, so, you know, starting in about 450, 460, uh, is where you're going to run into some public safety stuff. You're also going to run into a ton of it in, uh, the 700 megahertz, which is actually a relatively new thing because a lot of the bandwidth in 700 megahertz, um, was freed up by the forced transition to digital over the air television, uh, in an effort to provide more bandwidth to the public safety sector because there's some, there are some folks out there that have a dream that uh, municipalities and the federal government will beam their own private wireless networks uh, for public safety stuff um, over the 700 megahertz band. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about that in a while, but that was like a big uh, thing a couple years ago.
0: Post 9-11 uh, wet dreams, I guess.
2: Well, yes, but what's really sad is that there is no end to the money that has gone into uh, interoperability, yep. which is a, a, a $5 word that means that lets me talk to you mm-hmm. when us, with us not being on the same radio system. Yep. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's something that, honestly, living in the national capital region where everybody's digital, they're all on the same type of radio, and there's a possibility that you could be a sheriff uh, down in Stafford, Virginia, and need to talk to somebody in Baltimore County you know, and be able to do that from your handy-talkie. Um, you know, that that stuff was alive and well. Well, you now, know,
0: you know uh, uh, Carl talked about that in his Katrina show, that he had been oh, trained yeah. to take one operator from one group of frequencies and hook them up over here, and just a Windows program is really what it amounted to. Yep. So it's out there. Uh, it just sometimes doesn't work so great.
2: Well, and... Uh, well, I'm real quickly finishing the frequency allocation. So you also have a ton of stuff, uh, in the 800 megahertz. And of course, one of the things that, uh, that absolutely kind of kills me about this is that in America, there is a, there are two blocks of the 800 megahertz, uh, from spectrum that a general civilian has a very hard time acquiring a radio that will let you tune to those blocks, uh. Do you happen to remember what those frequencies are?
0: Uh, it's uh, is it eight fifty six through like eight ninety six or something like that.
2: So it's um, no, okay. it's 820, 824 to eight forty nine. Okay, well you're asking the biggest dyslexic <laughs> dude in the whole wide world to
0: remember <laughs> numbers, but I remember those on the backs of the scanners at Radio Shack years ago. Well,
2: the reason the reason I'm asking you is it lets me get enough time to pull my notes up. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Um. So yeah, eight twenty four to eight forty nine, and then eight sixty nine to eight ninety four. Um, pretty much every scanner for the last twenty years sold in America to a civilian uh, can't receive those frequencies, and the reason being is that twenty years ago there were analog cell phones in there that were over the air in the clear. Yep. Um, and so you know there was a federal law that says scanning you know receivers can't get them. If you have a wideband. Um, Kenwood, ICOM, or YaSU Radio. They're blocked out there as well. Now, what kind of stinks about this is this is one of those things where there's a law, but time and technology have supplanted the need for said law. And the thing that I'm going to get up in my little soapbox here for a second is these frequency allocations are going to be most likely reallocated or already have been to public safety stuff. Um, and right now, while I get to listen to my local counties, um, you know, police and sheriff and whatnot, If they were to move their radio uh, stuff in there, then I wouldn't be able to listen to them. And I have a big problem with that. Yeah, well, you know, get you
0: a Radio Shack Pro 2006. Do a little bit of trimming here and there, and you can hear all you want to hear.
2: Yeah, but see, the problem with that is it doesn't do trunking, and it doesn't do Project 25 digital. Now,
0: what about SDR with a discriminator tap mod?
2: Well, there you go. Okay. I mean, Technically, you're absolutely right. I Even my, sm-
0: I sounded smart there, didn't I?
2: Yes, you did. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, a discriminator tap mod gets you the pre-filtered um, signal out of the radio uh, at the full bandwidth, so you can take it into other um, equipment to do, you know, decoding or whatnot with it. Um. So when we talk about public safety, public safety generally comes in. A couple of different flavors. First of all is just plain old analog. And this is the dying breed of public safety communications. This is the FM narrowband um, guy picks up his radio in his car, just like you do in yours, and he goes through a repeater and everybody hears it. Um, but that's, <clears throat> again, that, that is very quickly dying off. In fact, um, if you live in a very rural area, you know like kale like you mentioned you can still listen to your fire department but in DC an analog uh uh r- 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 scanner was virtually useless yep yep um so then we there so there's that then there's something called uh digital conventional which is digital communications uh but it still works the same way like D star system fusion is where it goes through a repeater um and you know it it's it's more or less basically just digital radio, but talking point to point. I know there's a lot more intricacies with it and a little bit fancier than that, but for all intents and purposes, um, that's that's that. But then you get into um, what is the most common form of digital radio, and that is Trunked Project 25, Phase 1 or Phase 2. And we could yep. do
0: an entire show on that itself
2: as well. In fact, and again, we we should as we sure. deep dive on scanners. Yep. Um. Trunked basically means that rather than having one radio and one frequency and the one radio taking up the frequency, it basically, if you have X amount of bandwidth, it takes all of your bandwidth, channelizes it, and then you have a bunch of repeaters with computers in them that take your digital traffic and then send your digital traffic out on multiple frequencies to most efficiently use the bandwidth to support the maximum number of simultaneous um, communications. Did that make sense at all? Yeah,
0: to me. But I've been doing this for a while. (laughs) It allows you to follow the call around. It allows the call to use its most uh, uh, efficient means to to transfer the call. Like a cell phone, really. It's like CDMA or TDMA in a cell phone. (laughs)
2: Exactly. In fact, it is a less sophisticated version of what a cell tower does. Yeah. Um, and in fact, like you know, systems um, like in Alexandria, right? They're they're a completely trunked Project Twenty Five system, and their system could support, say, a maximum of eight um, eight simultaneous conversations. Mm-hmm. And what was actually kind of cool about them, though, is because of all the interoperability required in the area, if Alexandria had a huge emergency going on and needed more than eight, they had software set up automatically to get more bandwidth from Arlington and automatically um, they could add four more conversation channels by pulling Arlington capacity for their usage and vice versa. That's pretty sweet. Actually, it was... Um, but the, the Project Twenty Five of this uh, you know piece of this is an open standard for digital communications for public safety. Um, Project twenty five is a uh, it's a standard that was created by APCO. And I forgive me, I always forget what APCO stands for. Do you remember?
0: I no, I don't I don't think I knew.
2: It is the standby, the Association of Public Safety Communications Officials. Wow. Um, going back to your comment about uh, post 9 11, in a post 9 11 world, having radios that talk the same way and that can talk to one another and follow a series of standards became very important, especially in large metropolitan areas. Um, where there's a lot of interagency coordination that goes on uh, to make sure that your radios can talk to my radios, even if it's just one channel, Um, even if it's just that I flip a switch on my radio and it defaults to an analog frequency, but it guarantees that you can talk to my system if I need to. Um, But effectively, again, without going into it too deep, um, Project 25 basically turns all of your handheld radios into IP radios. Like literally when you turn them on, they connect to the network, validate against the network, get an IP address, and then are sitting there and can be pinged and have information such as you know position information uh, and other stuff about the radio constantly sent back without you ever having to key up because they're basically wireless IP devices. Right. Which, um, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that that's pretty sick. Uh, if people don't know what IP is, I mean it might be over their head, but the the technology is is phenomenal. Just take it at that.
2: Yeah, I mean, effectively, it's, it's the same thing your computer does when it connects to the Internet. Your computer gets an IP address or an Internet protocol address. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things about these systems is that at the uh, police headquarters in Alexandria, which is where our club met, um, and one of the guys in our club was the in charge of their radio system, we got a tour when we first um, had our first club meeting there. And all of the radio equipment in, in the building is all in server racks. It's all a bunch of Motorola equipment and racks. There's not a single antenna in the building.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, telecom's the same way nowadays. And it's just, it's nuts how um, what you think is there is not really there.
2: Yeah. And so what happens is they have dedicated fiber run underground to all their various, you know, transmit, like radio transmission sites, which are positioned in, you know, uh, altitudinally advantaged, i.e., tall places. Um, and all of its IP traffic it's not analog radio traffic it, it is and actually zeros. that's right, and it is really cool but the problem with this is is to listen to this you can't just go by you know take your uh what what was the radio you said the pro the, the pro 2006 is the old school radio Shack scanner yeah um, my yep. first scanner was a radio shack like forty five six twenty which did um, basically twenty five megahertz to five hundred and twelve megahertz right um, all analog, but you have to have special scanners now to do that. You have to have sc- scanners that are capable of doing the Project 25 or P25. EDAX. Um, yep. EDAX well. is, was another proprietary Motorola. Um, and there are still some digital standards uh, in use out there that there aren't scanners for. NXDN, which is actually an open standard, but nobody makes a scanner for it per se. Um, and then there are a couple of other very proprietary systems, and in fact, they advertise that hey, people with scanners can't listen to us. Is that, um, is,
0: that what, uh, is that what Nextel was for so long? Um, Nxdn weren't they in Nxdn?
2: No, well, that may be true, but Nxdn. Um, I, I know Icom remember. and Ken Icom and Kenwood are both big players in that space. I I, I think yeah. they jointly developed that standard. Okay. That maybe would,
0: that wouldn't be Nextel then.
2: Nick, Nick's, um, I don't remember anything. Sorry. Sorry, no. guess. But, uh, you know, I at the it. end of the day, if, um, you know, listening to these requires more than just knowing the frequency because you have to know all kinds of information. And as Cale mentioned earlier, radioreference.com is basically a place where you go, you put in your zip code and it tells you frequencies and information you need to know to listen to this stuff. Now, the problem is, is that, um, and the, I'm going to admit my ignorance here, I'm a pretty smart guy, but the scanning hobby has absolutely left me in the dust, but for a couple of radios. Um, Uniden is probably the de facto leader in a lot of ways um, for a lot of the quote unquote scanner type radios that are still out there. And they still make some ones that are analog only. But at the end of the day, Um, they're digital radios. So things like the, the, the Bearcat series. So things like the Bearcat 996, uh, P2, uh, the home patrol series, the 436 or 536 or, um, the, uh, the 325 P2 handheld. Before this, it was like the 396 handheld, but these are all radios capable of doing the project 25. Um, the one thing that separates these apart, though, is for me, I can listen to this stuff because I own radios I can put a zip code into, and they already have the entire radioreference.com uh, library loaded into them. And it happens by me plugging the radio into my computer once a week. It pulls down a database, and it's wonderful. I don't have to know what a NAC is. I don't have to know what a subscriber ID is. I don't have to know what a you know what the trunking whatever is. I just put in a zip code and say police.
0: That's cheating, and
2: it is. It is, I mean, it makes me an appliance operator, and I I fully appreciate that. Um, for those who really want to get into it, you are welcome to go out and buy a nine ninety six uh, P two, which is a fine radio that still requires all that programming knowledge or um, some software. On the side to to get that set up for you.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I've got a a Pro ninety six from Radio Shack. It's a marvelous unit, and I'm having problems with my uh, programming right now, Uh, and I can't get it to read from the PC, which really makes my belly hurt. But uh, it's a trunking rig. It's a great trunking rig, and it's worked great up until now. And I don't know what I've done to it, but it's it doesn't like me right now. But I say that because if it weren't for the Radio Reference website and the the software that people have developed over time it'd be really aggravating to go in and you know and and hand punch this stuff because i'm like you i mean it's kind of passed me by i've tried to stay up with it but at the same time you know life keeps getting in your way and um you know I, i one of those home patrols man i call it cheating but i'd take one in a minute because it wouldn't take anything but like you said plugging it up and putting in your zip code you're done
2: yeah um the other company to look at for the, the digital scanners is, is Whistler, which you may recognize from the uh, radar detector arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other competitor to Uniden was GRE, but they went out of business a couple years ago. Whistler bought all their IP and the remainder of their radios and started remanufacturing them. Um, They're getting ready to release two new radios that are their latest digital radios, which also are put into zip code type radios. Uh, The WS1088 is the handheld version, and then the WS1098 will be the base uh, or mobile version. Uh, So those should be coming out here before too long.
0: I want to go back real quick uh, before we move on. The the thing with Nextel was IDEN. So it was just a little bit of dyslexia there. Integrated Digital Enhanced Network. There you go. And it was a, a TDMA, which is Time Division Multiple Access. God, what did Kel just say? Uh, I just wanted to correct myself. Uh, I just had remembered some letters there. I was a Nextel user for almost twenty years, so I really missed that service. It worked great back in the day. Chirp, yeah. <laughs> Chirp. So anyway, yeah. Okay, so we we've gotten we've gotten into UHF. We got just a little bit left to go, and we're running kind of short on time here. But uh, what are the, what's left of the spectrum that we can maybe listen to? Because I know there's some of the stuff we can't even hear.
2: Well, the long and short of it is, is that honestly, really above two point four three gigahertz, you really start running out of equipment to be able to buy, you know, inexpensively or easily. In fact, honestly, uh, for the average person out there listening and decoding above one point um, three gigahertz can be a challenge now with the uh, the introduction of some of these cheap software defined radios like the uh, RTLSDR, which is the television dongle for twenty bucks um, it's capable of doing up to about two point eight gigahertz uh, the hack RF, which is a, a very hard to find receiver but it'll technically do up to like six gigahertz um, and of course but I mean it, this is all software defined radio stuff you have to have the the software um, but honestly above here. I'm going to, because we are running short on time, I'm going to lump a lot of this into uh, radio astronomy. So, um, you know, if you've done something like SETI at home or Einstein at home, uh, they're looking for a lot of this, um, you know, this uh, UHF and super high frequency stuff in the multi-gigahertz. Um, microwave communications, and that's been everything in the past from like cross-country uh you know, like AT&T relays to, um, you know, setting up, uh, if you have a repeater network, you might have a three gigahertz or five gigahertz link doing line of sight communications to keep your network up. Um, and a lot of satellite communications, like uh, the satellites, uh, both that are around earth and then the deep space satellites or, uh, things that we have shot off, you know, 10 gigahertz, 14 gigahertz, 15 gigahertz, um, you know, those are the frequencies that a lot of the control and uplink and telemetry happen on. But again, you know, you're getting into 10 gigahertz and you're starting to get into some pretty exotic hardware that is well beyond the scope of my understanding.
0: And probably more than likely the majority, except maybe uh, maybe Bruce or somebody who's a RF, you know, microwave engineer.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because I'll tell you, um, you know, as, as I was... Uh, when I first started learning about RF filters and like LC networks and stuff, I got really excited and wanted to start building filters for my software-defined um, radio receivers like the HackRF. And as I was talking to a gentleman I work with who actually builds his own HF transceivers um, from scratch, you know, he was basically reminding me that by the time you get to things that are that small, the capacitance in circuit board traces starts to matter. And that kind of blew my mind.
0: He's like, uh, I'll find something else to do now.
2: I was like, Yeah, I'll look for something off the shelf. I'll find something <laughs> at Mendelssohn's at Dayton or yeah, something.
0: Yeah, I'll find the guy in Croatia that
2: makes those and and send him some rubles or something. You know, but, uh, but yeah. So I, I think I think that I mean that got get, got us um, into super high frequency <clears throat> above that. Excuse me, is extremely and. um tremendously high frequency which is again it's um you know they're starting to look at some of that stuff for like medical imaging um and then a lot of scientific stuff but at the end of like on wikipedia actually adds condensed matter physics <laughs> um t- terahertz time domain spectrop- uh, spectra spectra spectroscopy excuse me um and then computing stuff but at the end of the day um you know it's we as amateurs apparently do have allocations in the terahertz range so maybe someday 100 years from now people will laugh when we were calling it tremendously high frequency and they'll be calling it low frequency
0: tomorrow wasn't well, that the name of the film when george I watched it last night tomorrow world tomorrow oh,
2: so you're the guy yeah i'm the one guy Appar- that watched it A- apparently nobody watched it
0: I was really surprised. I mean, minus the uh, the PC stuff that I had absolutely no taste for, the the premise was was pretty good. If nothing else, the visuals were really nice. Yeah. So I, one of my kids wanted to see it, so I was like, I'll watch it with you. It's Halloween.
2: so you know the the movie. I wanna I want to segue, but I I think that's it for listening.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, my gosh, we've gone from DC to daylight and passed. Uh, the, the, the crazy part about it is is that there's something in the spectrum for everybody. I mean, not everybody's going to want to sit around and listen to, you know, their local volunteer fire departments being dispatched to, you know, fire alarms all day long. It, it may be something else out there for you, and, and that's the cool thing about it, especially now going back to the SDR dongle, for 20 bucks, you can virtually listen to almost anything VHF and up. And if you add the what I can't remember it's called right now, you can even go further down than that. What is that thing called? The, the, I, the down they, converter.
2: They, yeah, they call it. Well, they call it an up converter because that's converter. what it does. It takes um, a low frequency, um, or sorry, a lower frequency signal, mixes it with another signal, and puts it I into the so. range of the receiver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it, it's basically it's it's a transverter.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, there's so much out there to listen to. Whether it's just number stations, you know th- th- there's a guy that listens to the show that that has a pretty tremendous blog, and he challenges his readers of his blog to take their scanner, no matter what kind it is, okay, so you get a scanner that will work in your area, and you spend thirty minutes a week listening to X frequency to x frequency, you know, just a block of frequencies, just tuning, scanning through those frequencies just to see what you can hear. and I'm telling you what you spend thirty minutes a week just scanning frequencies, you'll be shocked at what you hear going on around you that you have no idea that's happening around you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, fire and police. It's a lot of cool stuff happening out there. So before we go, Jeremy, um, a couple of things. Another reminder, main Trading Company, that you won't find this price on their website, okay? They can't advertise the price for this radio on their website. It's against the policy they've agreed to with ICOM. But right now, you can buy the India Delta Fifty One Alpha, okay? The ID Fifty One A, the Anniversary Handy Talkie. Right now, if you call them, okay, call them and tell them, time, Kale," whoever Jeremy sent you, t- tell them to call you. Three hundred forty-seven dollars and ninety-five cents. I don't think that you can find it any cheaper than that uh, at all, anywhere on the earth. And if you do, you that, have to take it up with Richard.
2: That is, wow. I paid that radio was $600 last year. Wow. Um and I paid that for it to get a white one, <laughs> $347.95
0: for the iCom ID51A anniversary edition. They've got a bunch of them in stock. They've got every color in stock, so give them a call. Talk to Danielle, to Tammy. To Richard, whoever answers the phone, tell him you want the time special price of the ID fifty one A. Now, real quick, now we got th- we got to throw this in because I don't know that we'll have another chance to talk about this between now and then. Maybe one time, but uh, December eighteenth, I was born nineteen seventy three. That means this year I'll be forty two years old. It also means that it is a very pivotal moment in my life because it's the make it or break it for the Star Wars legacy for me. Uh, that's the release date of Episode 7. And to be very frank with you, Jeremy, I know that you and I are both big Star Wars fans. Prefer- really the 4, 5, and 6 fans. But um, I- I'm scared to death they're going to screw it up. I'm just going to say it out loud right now. I am totally freaked out. They're going to totally screw up the whole universe. What are your thoughts?
2: Did I lose you? Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> he's speechless i I let out a huge sigh i was like "Uh." so you know i uh i really love um jj abrams i think he does good work that is a walking a tightrope between meeting the needs of the fanboy versus meeting the needs of the public uh, I liked what he did with the reboot of Star Trek. It was engaging. Um, it was a movie that my wife and I saw in the theater several times, uh, which there are many movies I've seen in the theater more than once. So I'm hopeful. Um, and this latest trailer makes me think that there's some definitely going to be some good stuff there. But I saw some stuff that um, I'm a little bit worried about. Honestly, I'm going to be. I'm just going to come out and say it. I am not a fan of BB-8. i'm not to me bb8 is the jar jar banks of the new trilogy oh my i said it there we go like it's completely impractical to have a round droid like that yeah but it's star wars i know but like i just i don't know i how I how about it was completely impractical to kill
0: off one of the best villains of the entire trilogy in the first two and a half hours of the three film trilogy
2: Well, the the reason he's one of the best villains is because we didn't know anything about him. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I read
0: Aftermath, uh, or about three-quarters of Aftermath. It's uh, one of the prequel novels to Episode Seven. I was extremely, I don't even know how to say it nicely in a family-friendly environment here because that's how I try to speak the majority of the time. Um, I was never so disappointed in any Star Wars novel, even a children's book. Has been more engaging than aftermath. It was so bad, and and I never ever do this, guys. But it was so bad, I sent it back to Amazon and paid the shipping to send it back to them. It was terrible.
2: Wow, was it like the Silmarillion for uh, Lord of the
0: Rings? You know, I kind of enjoyed the Silmarillion myself, but (laughs) um, it was just it was one of the most horrific writing styles I've ever I've ever. Put my eyes too. I mean, it was just hyphen after hyphen. It looked like me posting on the forum. That's how bad a writing skills the guys got. <laughs> dot, dot 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 hyphen 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 hyphen. Um, I mean, you go look. You you don't believe me? Go read the reviews on Amazon. Mine's on there. Uh, I said it was a complete waste of paper. And if this is where we were going with it, I would just happily live in 1977. It's a terribly written book. It's got uh, way too much political correctness in it. It doesn't tell a story that means anything regarding anything i'm interested in reading and if that's i don't know i'm just i mean my kids are are big into star wars i grew up wanting to be han solo sometimes i think i still want to be han solo and i'm just i'm really fearful that they're going to just blow it up with political correctness there i said it
2: well what i'm i'm keeping it open wow you're not kidding 1400 reviews two and a half stars. Um. What I – I'm trying to keep an open mind because even though I didn't really care for the original – or sorry, the, the prequel trilogy, um, which we, we actually just watched recently with Katie again, and it, it, it just – it actually gets worse just about every time I see it. Um, I, I have to at least give credit to the fact that the Star Wars saga is continuing, Um. And, you know, trick like you said, trick-or-treating for us was last night, and uh, I live in a pretty good-sized subdivision, and I'm happy to report that there were more original series kids or dressed up as original series characters. Um, I only had one Kylo Ren, and I had several Princess Leias, I had a Chewbacca, I had a couple Boba Fets. I had tons of Darth Vaders, um, and I even had some Baby Yodas. Yeah. Yeah, well... So... You know, it's 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 parents. We're the ones that are
0: keeping it alive up to this point, and and Clone Wars did a great job, you know, filling filling the gap, I believe. And I'm really enjoying the Star Wars Rebels show on Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really digging that. I go to I have to go to my in-laws to watch it. She DV, my in, my mother-in-law DVRs it for me, me and the kids. But uh, it, it's a great program. We're actually reading the comics about the Canaan character. We're buying. I I've, I've bought comic books here and there my, you know, as a youth, but we're actually going to the comic book store now and buying Star Wars comics as they're telling these stories, and my kids and I are reading them, and they're, they're really interesting. But I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, my wife says, you're not going on your birthday. That's ridiculous. They're all going to be sold out, and, and I probably won't go opening day. I'm just going to say it now. Okay, it's my birthday, and I probably will just spend the time with my family. I'll see it before Christmas, I'm sure. Um, but but you know I've told the kids I said if if they if they mess it up we're done we're gonna stop at the Clone Wars and we're finished.
2: So, um, I have a new little one on the way. We'll be here in December. Little, and little, uh,
0: little Caleb, right? I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> um, the uh, you know we in the beginning when you know the due date was still kind of up in the air and and I didn't know the the release date of the movie and uh, I told my wife I was like look. For my entire teenage and adult life, since since the, the original trilogy was re-released in 1997, I have been at every midnight opening of every episode. <laughs> and I warned her, and I, I, I am dead serious. I told her, I said, if it comes down to me seeing The Force Awakens or my child awakening, I will pick The Force Awakens.
0: I, I would probably come home to an empty house after that type of. Everybody
2: coming. thinks I'm joking. What's sad is that, and this is how I know I picked the right wife. She kind of understood. She was not happy about it, but she understood. She's
0: like, "Just bring me the bootleg."
2: <laughs> well, that is the worst part about like trying to figure out how she and I are going to get to go see yeah. it when uh, you know we're going to have a uh, a one week. Uh, Harmonic alive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know who uh, who knows. I'm I'm excited. I can't say that I'm not excited. The the trailers look great. I mean, it's it's awesome to see the Falcon again. I mean, my kids are still playing with my Falcon from 1983, which is I think is just pretty freaking amazing. I don't think that when they're 42 years old, their kids will be able to play with their toys because they just won't exist. But I mean, they're playing with my ATAT. They're playing with my Tonton. They're playing with the The Millennium Falcon, the X Wing, the Dago by playset, all that stuff. Now, granted, I don't have all the pieces to it, but they're still playing with it, which is just nuts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's been a huge part of my life, and I'll never forget uh, seeing Return of the Jedi on opening night. I mean, oh my God, it was like the the biggest thing that ever happened to me as a child. Being there for opening that Return of the Jedi, I will never ever forget that. I'll be forever indebted to my father for taking me. We took the whole family, but it was you know we were all there. Although we didn't want any of the Ewoks to die, but um, you know it has man Star Wars has so impacted so many people. I know we got a lot of listeners that are probably Star Wars fans. If you look at the Facebook page, they're all Star Wars fans, especially <laughs> folks like Tony and whatnot. But but it, it's really cool. I'm excited, um, and I just really you know again I'll just I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. I just ho- I'm a pessimistic guy when it comes to it, and I just hope they don't screw it up. Yub yep, nub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, numb Did you read the uh, theory about Jar Jar being the evil Sith Master Overlord on Facebook? No. Yeah, you need no. to go find that. I'll try to find it. So, and Send it to you. I so it my daughter.
2: Yeah. We watched a lot of the Star Wars movies for her birthday, and so tonight she was running around the house saying, "Jar Jar Banks here for dinner," and I kept telling her, "We don't serve his kind here."
0: <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah, one of my least favorite characters of all time. I mean, I, I'm you know Han shot. He shot first. He shot. Um, I could do without Jabba in the original film. You know, um, the the first one I saw was Empire, and then they re-released Star Wars, and I went back and saw Star Wars, and I don't know hundreds of times I've seen it now. Uh, the the music, oh, yeah. Yeah. the music plays a. Uh, you hear the you can you hear just two or three notes from the score. And immediately you're taken back, you know. We're just guys. We're just nerding out on Star Wars, and I'm sorry. We wanted just to talk about it for just a minute because uh, it's coming. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the first Star Star Trek film that uh, Abrams did. I'm not really sure. I don't do movies, so I don't know what else he did. But I hope he doesn't screw this one up. Hope 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 they keep it going. I mean, the rebels the rebels show on Disney's cool. The new uh, Rogue One film, which is supposed to be like a um, like a Saving Private Ryan kind of thing, where they apparently probably going to wind up stealing the plan. Spoiler alert for the X wing fighter um, in that film, because that was originally designed for the uh, the Empire, according to what I understand. Uh, anyway, if you're into Star Wars and you're not listening to the Rebel Force Radio podcast, go do that now. Uh, Jimmy Mack and the guys do a great job, and and I prop them every time I can. But uh, I don't know what else to say. I just really hope they don't screw it up.
2: I'll I'll uh, I'll second that, and also add a. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My brother in law can do Chewbacca. I can't, but I mean, yeah, he's like seven feet tall, so it works for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, Jeremy, man, it's it's it's. I'm so grateful for our friendship that we've been able to uh, kindle here through this uh, almost a second year of the program uh, going into the second year. So it's been a lot of fun, oh, dude. Thank you for all your help. Oh. And,
2: and I, I, I'll, I'll just say this. I cannot wait for our shows getting into the holidays. I think folks are really going to like what we got planned.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, guys... You know, we always appreciate your reviews. We always appreciate you sharing the show on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, wherever you find us. Uh, the new T-shirts are out. They look really sweet. I got mine. I know that uh, a few other guys got theirs, and they're really cool. They're still available on Teespring, and uh, if you have any questions, don't know where to find it, let me know. You can get you one. I think they're about $25 shipped, but they're really nice-looking shirts made Really well, you know really good quality, so i got to get my kids ordered for Christmas. They all want a time shirt, but jeremy man, thanks again for coming on the show we're going to talk more about listening and i'm actually i've actually been invited to come back to the prepper Recon show to talk about listening as well for those folks in that that end of the spectrum wow, well, it's a bad pun, but anyway we're going to talk some more about this and talk about the scanners and whatnot but we've got a lot of great stuff coming into the holidays and even into the new year. So let's, uh, let's just keep going and keep listening. We appreciate you guys so much. Jeremy, you want to close it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I also thank you. Uh, and thanks. I want to say, uh, thanks again to all the folks who emailed, uh, after the D star episode. Um, and I also would personally like to give out uh, a shout out to the Linux and the ham shack folks. I, uh, got the opportunity to catch up on quite a few episodes on that um, here recently, and it was in a good way. It was much more than I was expecting, and I I really enjoyed listening to them. They gave us some shout-outs, and I really hope we have an opportunity to connect with them uh, sometime for an episode in the future as well. You know, that
0: would be good because Kel was sitting in Alabama just a few weeks ago on the phone with Gerald as he sat on the side of the interstate in Washington, D.C., trying to help me work through some Linux issues on a Raspberry Pi, Ah, so uh, anyway, thank you, Gerald, <laughs> for that. And yeah, the the links in the hamshack guys are great. And really enjoy that show. And uh, there's some others out there as well. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep doing our thing here. You guys keep listening. We'll be back next time to do the next installment of the FOTIME Podcast. Until next time, though. Catch you later, y'all. Seventy three.
2: God bless. Seventy three.
1: listening and subscribing to amateur radio 15.com presents faux the other ham radio podcast you can find our past episodes web links and more at amateur radio 15.com that's amateur radio one follow us on twitter at faux podcast and remember to visit our show sponsor main trading company at mtc till next time 73s.